Thanks for tuning into this episode. BBB presents Success in Your Second Career, featuring Andrea Seafring Robbins, co-owner of Urban Stead Cheese Company. BBB's Sarah Kemmerer talks with Andrea about urban business models, elements of entrepreneurship, and of course, cheese. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I want to thank those that have been listening to our series so far. You know, it's been an incredible experience bringing so many different industries and local business leaders onto the show. So just a quick reminder, you can follow BBB Presents on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Today, I am honored to be joined by Andrea Seifring-Robbins, who's the co-owner of Urbanstead Cheese Company. Located in East Walnut Hills and Evanston neighborhoods, Urbanstead Cheese has been BBB accredited for three years and has become a staple small business in Cincinnati. Andrea, I'm so glad you're able to join me today. Sarah, thank you for this opportunity. I'm thrilled to be on with you today. And we at Urban said we really, really enjoy our Better Better Business Bureau um, membership. It's been an important thing for us to have over the past three years. So thank you. Of course. And full disclosure, my mar- my marketing team and I are huge fans of you all. Oh, my gosh. We love the interior of your location. <laughs> we love the delicious cheese and wines you all offer. So just to start things off, can you tell me a little bit about your business, your business model, and the products that you offer? So Urban Shed Cheese, first and foremost, we are a cheese company. Um, we're cheese makers. My husband, Scott, and I started working on the goal of bringing cheese making to the city of Cincinnati oh, probably about five, six years ago. And we opened, gosh, we're approaching our third anniversary. Uh, February 23rd will be three years since we opened our doors. But it's really our goal to tell the story of cheese before it gets to the cheese counter and to your plate. So we partner with a local third-generation dairy farm to source our Jersey cow milk that we use to make all of our cheeses, and we bring that milk back to the city, and we make cheese right here in the heart of East Walnut Hills, Evanston. And the reason I kind of say both is because we literally are on the border of both of those neighborhoods. We also, as you know, have a retail shop here at our location uh, so we sell our cheese, and we sell a lot of fantastic other local items, uh, meats, eggs, milk, um, accompaniment, but first and foremost, all of our cheese. Normally, um, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, we'd also have a tasting room where you can enjoy our cheese-centric menu alongside amazing cocktails, wines, and local beers. And it's really neat because you can sit and enjoy cheese and a cocktail while you look through viewing windows into our aging rooms and also into our production room. Oftentimes you get the opportunity to actually watch our team work while you're eating the cheese that we've produced. And so we literally wanted to peel back the windows and show people the process of cheese. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I wish that all of our listeners will come and visit you. Um, if not, at least check out the menu online because it's such a great location and such delicious food. Thank so, you. yeah, can you quickly tell me what Cincinnati's top selling cheese is and what is your favorite cheese? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> no, I, <know. laughs> I, I always say I'm equal cheese opportunist. Um, so, as far as Cincinnati's top selling cheese for us, it's probably it's a tight tie between probably cheese curds are huge for us. Um, cheese curd, you know, if we were in Wisconsin, that would be a really big thing, and everybody's used to, like, fresh cheese curds. So when we have fresh cheese curds, that's huge. Our street ched 
is our aged cloth-bound cheddar, and that's a pretty close tie. Um, it's in a pretty incredible cheese, 26, 27 months aged. But then the other one is our quark, which, so that's spelled Q-U-A-R-K, and it's an Eastern European German cheese, and we sell a lot of quark, and we're really excited about that. It's a foundational cheese for us, a cheese that Scott and I wanted to bring to the city of Cincinnati because it's such a German cheese, and obviously Cincinnati's with Cincinnati's German roots. That's really important. My favorite cheese, that's another tough one. I love, love, love our street cheddar, but I also have a really, really spot in my heart for our Misty River Camembert. It's a bloomy rind cheese in the same family as, like, say, a brie. And it's a little three-ounce cheese, and it's like that in-between of soft, like a kind of a pudgy, I like to say pudgy cheese, and it's that in-between semi-soft. And that, I, I love our camembert. Definitely, that and our street cheddar are my favorite. Gosh, I'm learning so much about cheese. I really regret um, scheduling this recording session right before lunch. That was a ah. poor decision on my part. <laughs> well, if I was on, on the ball, I would have sent you a cheese plate God, so no. that you could have that in front of you. Oh, gosh, that no work would get done for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so um, something that I actually find really interesting about your journey is that you you have a to- you had a totally different career before becoming a small business owner, um, and you've brought up your husband, Scott, a few times. So can you tell me what that experience like was before becoming a business owner and has that experience been beneficial as a small business owner now? Oh my gosh, yes. So as far as myself, I I hail from the, an accounting background. So I have an MBA from the University of Dayton and my undergrad is in accounting for also from the University of Dayton. And I spent five to seven years in public accounting, and then I moved over financial into financial reporting world for about 11 years as well. I worked in corporate real estate. And so I left the corporate world about a month prior to us opening Urban Stead Cheese. I left in December of 2017, and then I moved over full-time to Urban Stead Cheese. And it was a pretty intentional choice to do accounting, and that was because I knew that I had a goal of entrepreneurship. I definitely, Sarah, there's no way I could have told you 20-some years ago that I was we were going to be in the cheese world. And Scott and I were not, um, you know, Scott was not in my life at that time. And so I didn't know what that was going to be. But I knew that a good foundational knowledge of accounting and numbers from watching other on, successful entrepreneurs was a good background for entrepreneurship. And so I think that, the financial knowledge really helps when you're operating your business. Um, and then you mentioned Scott. And so Scott br- brings a really different but equally important different background to it. And that is Scott has close to 30 years in the restaurant industry and in the wine world. So he is a certified sommelier and he has always opened restaurants and, you know, worked in the wine world, which there's a lot of parallels between wine and cheese. So all of that really comes together nicely in a foundation for starting Urban Said Cheese, albeit 
starting a cheese business is completely different, but it was at least a good foundation. Yeah. Having that financial background and sharing a passion with someone and saying, okay, well, how can we logistically do this? Oh, well, I have this background. Let's pair together and execute yep. this. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mentioned earlier in the beginning that Urban Said Cheese is coming up on three years of BBB accreditation. So you brought up the pandemic a little bit. So looking at your business now, is this anywhere you thought you'd be from your first year? Oh, I know. A very loaded yeah. question. <laughs> it is such a loaded question. You know, in some ways, I think we're a lot further than I ever thought we'd be in a very short three years. Three years sounds like a long time, but in the world of cheese, it's a minute. You know, I look at other cheesemakers who've made cheese for 30-plus years, and, you know, we're just learning. We're just seeing the full cycle of some of our cheeses. I mentioned that we have a 27-month-age cloth-bound cheddar. We didn't have that until really this past year. Um, Honestly, Sarah, I think the cheese is – I'm really pleased with how well our cheese is coming along. So I don't think, I think that's one thing I'm pleasantly surprised about. Obviously, our like cheese the quality of the product, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Scott's worked so hard on making really good cheese. We have so many good partners. We have really amazing mentors. Our dairy uh, that we partner with has amazing, beautiful milk. And so I'm just really, really thrilled with the quality of the cheese that we're making in a short time. Um, So from that perspective, I'm really, I think we're further than I thought we would be. But obviously, things look really, really different for us because of the pandemic. We not only, our customers, we have really two distinct sets of customers. One of them is our retail customer, you know, that comes into the shop, buys cheese. But then the other customer that we have is our wholesale clients, and that's restaurants, cheese shops, groceries, um, specialty groceries, and obviously that has really changed as a result of the pandemic. The restaurants are struggling, and so they're not buying as much cheese. They've probably, they've definitely scaled back on buying higher-end perishable products, so we've really had to refocus. I guess retail has become a bigger component over the past year than I would have said going into 2020 that wholesale would be a bigger component for us than it would than retail would be in 2020. Also, I don't really think we realized how different cheese, especially in an urban environment, is for people. And so I'm just now starting to see really the fruits of our labor that people are really starting to, we're ingrained in the community and people come to us for cheese and consistently coming to us and trusting the products, not only our cheese, but the other amazing products that we sell. And so, um, and I definitely never would have said a year ago that, the majority of our business would be through online ordering. I mean, that's just something any business in the food industry has learned to pivot to at this point. Yeah. Well, can you talk a little bit about being an urban cheesemaker? Because I feel like in the U.S., you're not used to seeing that. You're used to seeing 
farms, you're used to seeing a very natural environment, maybe farmlands, rural lands. You, you don't see that in inner city Cincinnati. What is the difference about running that urban business? Yeah, it's really different, Sarah. You're, that's a good point. There's probably only, I don't know what the number is now. Several years ago, we knew that there was only five or six urban cheesemakers in the country. There's definitely under 10 at this point, and so it does look really different. Functionally, it is different in that, to your point, there's, you know, we don't have cows here. Um, you know, we are cows, and our the dairy farm that we partner with is 45 miles away. So every time we want to make cheese, we drive our milk truck out to the farm, and we bring milk back to the city, and it's always funny. Um People will roll down their window because we have a branded milk truck. Um, our tank is branded, and they'll ask, is there cheese in the back of that? And <laughs> so I'm sure, you know, it, it's pretty crazy when you see um, a big milk truck driving right in the heart of the city. So that looks really different. It's also, it was an intentional model choice for Scott and I to do it as an urban creamery. And... So one of the hurdles you see for cheesemakers who are on the farm and are more rural is getting their products to market. So, you know, a lot of times that looks like farmer's markets and really focus on wholesale distribution. But we get the pleasure of not only doing our cheesemaking here, but also having a retail shop. So it's neat that we are literally right with our customers in our neighborhood and in the city. And so it's neat to see it accessible to people and really have a platform for talking about it. You know, if somebody's at my cheese counter and I'm cutting cheese for them and then I share with them that over there is the cheese aging and it's like a light bulb for them. So it really is a neat mm -hmm. showcase. Well, and I bet that has to feel really good from your end sharing your passion, sharing your craft to someone who has never seen that before. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, you know, if we were in Wisconsin, if we were in Vermont, even in California, there, you know, cheesemaking is a little bit more, and definitely in Europe, cheesemaking is ingrained as part of the culture, um, pun intended, because we use cultures <laughs> in cheesemaking. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's awesome. But it's not necessarily – a Cincinnati thing and it's definitely not an urban thing so it's I think it really underscores the immensity of work that goes into cheese making and also why artisanal cheese is what it is and why we think it's superior to other cheese even though I again I'll go back I'm an equal cheese opportunist I believe every cheese has a place on the plate um but it's neat to be able to have what you're doing in front of you as a talking point and as a showcase point. So I just switched gears a little bit. We talked, obviously, we talked a little bit before we record. So one of my favorite tidbits that we talked about, and you said, if you're a small business and you're still in business as of February 2021, you're successful, and which I 100% agree with that. Since anything obviously can happen and change at the drop of a hat, What's a skill that really helps you prepare for this change in the flow of business? I think being nimble and realizing that planning can only do so much for you is a skill that's really helped. You know, we 
sat and laid out our plans for 2020 early in early last year and pretty quickly that was that rug was pulled out from underneath us and so you know I, I think a combination of grit and the ability to pivot and also kind of going into a mode of a very conservative business mode, recognizing that you don't know how long this is going to last. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're by nature an optimist. You must be because otherwise you wouldn't start a business and you definitely wouldn't start a cheese business. But having enough grit and realizing that you're going to keep getting thrown curveballs and trying to go with the flow of that and finding new ways to adapt is a skill that's really helped us over the last year. Mm-hmm. Also partnering, um, it's not really a skill, but partnering with other really strong local businesses and entrepreneurs has been something that's really success, been a success point for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like Cincinnati has a really strong small business and entrepreneurship community. So that would our, that, to me, that would come as a natural quality to have getting to know the people that are around you. I think that has definitely helped as well. I absolutely agree with you. And also, I just think we're stronger together. You know, Mm -hmm. whether it's the people, like, you know, so many of our partners and fellow entrepreneurs and local makers, we've leaned on each other over the past year, whether it's through our products or just even as a community. And to know that we're not alone is and that we're all fighting through this together and cheering for each other is a really good feeling. And you're absolutely right. I think the entrepreneurial spirit in Cincinnati is really, really something that we can be proud of. Mm -hmm. Well, another quote that we talked about before that you said is, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. So can you give me an example of what you mean by that? Yes. And we talked about some of it before, but I've even, I can touch further on it. So I'm an accountant by trade. We talked about that. And so setting out to start our business, I thought, well, you know, I'll do the accounting because I'm an accountant. Why wouldn't I? And what I've come to realize is that although I can does not mean that that's where my time is best spent. You know, my time needs to be best spent growing the business. And so I can go out and hire, you know, a great accountant um, to work with and do the day-to-day accounting activity. And then that frees me up to do other things. To that point as well, you know, I would, my favorite part of my job is my customers and sharing our cheese with our customers. And Scott would tell you the same thing, um, sharing cheese, sharing wine, talking about why we do this. and But it's also really hard because all of the time that I spend in the tasting room and at the cheese counter sharing our cheese and spreading, you know, the news of what we're doing, it also detracts from my time to advance the business. So finding really good people who understand our story and understand the values of Urban Stead Cheese and can help advance our mission well, Scott and I can be here to support them, 
um, is really where we're focused at going forward because I want to help grow Urban Stead Cheese so it's here for years and years to come and allow our good people to do their work. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like, I mean, we all have our qualities and we know what's fun. And especially when you're a small business owner, that your, your business is your life. You don't have just a nine-to-five. It's 24-7. It's always on your mind. So I feel like I would want to do what I like and what I think I'm good at. But you bring up a good point. That may not always be the best for the business. Yeah. And to your point, then compound that small business ownership with doing it with a spouse. And not yeah. only are you <laughs> – I mean, it, it consumes every dinner conversation, every, you know, ride in the car. You you think, I'm going to turn it off. And then the next thing you know, you're talking about it again. But, yeah, my if I could choose how I spend my day, it would be out selling – you know, to restaurants and cheese shops and groceries and and to our retail customers, and I want to talk to everybody and I want to share my passion with them. And, you know, ultimately probably the, the business owner is the best at doing that. Mm-hmm. But there's other things that absolutely can't be done by other people, and that's really, I think, trying to figure out, like, like who who best fits where because there exactly. are so many like behind the scenes details. Oh, for absolutely, sure. yeah, yeah. Well, and part of the reason why I bring small business owners on as a guest so often as I do is so they can share their experiences for those new entrepreneurs listening, or for the people who have actually been thinking about launching their own small business. So, what are your what are some recommendations you have for these small business owners just starting out? So this is, again, it's going to sound a little pessimistic, and that's not at all the way that I mean this. And this Mm -hmm. is something I bring from my accounting background, is that we would always do what we would call a worst-case scenario. And that's kind of the way I approach things is, although, you know, if I look at our projections or I look at, I mean, this is even the way we looked at things from the beginning of the pandemic is, okay, on March 15th, when we closed our doors, we set in the motion that we believe, Scott and I said, we believe the pandemic is going to impact our business for the next 18 to 36 months. And people looked at us a little bit crazy, like that was, like, really think it's going to be that long? But that was our worst case scenario. And unfortunately, it's right now. And because we went into kind of a worst case planning mode, I think it put us in a good position. We put the wheels in motion to get things in a in a place that they could, you know, we can make it through this. Um, so always, you know, even if it's like looking at your financial projections, go ahead and do your best case scenario, but know what your worst case scenario looks like and can the business survive that worst case scenario, I think is a really, really important quality. Um, I also think you know, finding other entrepreneurs in your industry but also outside of your industry because it's something that I've really benefited from recently is talking to people who are completely outside of our industry and getting ideas from them and seeing the way they think, look at things. Um, It's really opened up new ideas for me. And so having a network of people in your corner to talk to has really, really helped. 
also just doing so much due diligence. Um, You can't do enough research and study and um, planning, but recognizing, again, all of that planning may be for naught. Great. Just like knowing your limits, getting these second opinions, networking and seeing just what other people have to say, I feel like is so beneficial. Yeah, I agree with you. Great. Yeah, and I don't think that's pessimistic at all. I think that's a very that, – that's a wise decision to be aware of what could come your way. Yeah, and also just, you know, not overextending yourself. We, we had a really – we were really lucky, Sarah. Um, so this is cheese-specific, but, you know, cheese is often made on the farm, right? We talked about that. And yeah. as a result – there's no off switch on cows. Cows are going to keep producing milk, and um, we are lucky that we are not under contract to take milk, and that was something Scott and I put to was a pretty important aspect of planning the business is that it gives us the flexibility that we don't have to make cheese you know, we were able to scale back production in 2020, for example. We used to pick up 6,000 pounds of milk every week and make cheese every week. Well, our supply, or rather our demand for our product decreased in 2020. The restaurants aren't buying as much cheese, and so we were able to scale back production. And so the reason I bring that up is, again, we plan the business in a way that if we needed to change or scale back production, we had the flexibility to do that. So I think building that flexibility into our business made it so that we were able to adjust in a really different year. Yeah. Well, and we just, we just went over so many recommendations and tips that you have, and that just comes to show how many elements you need to consider when you're owning a business. And those elements are constantly evolving, especially with the times. So I think it's safe to say that being an entrepreneur, it's not for the faint of heart. So is there something you did or you invested in early on that you're super thankful for now? Oh, you are spot on. It is absolutely not for the faint of heart. I always tell people, I say entrepreneurship, you can have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and they can be like within the same five minutes. It's a roller coaster. Um, And 2020 proved that yet again. if I think back to, so I remember in September of 2017, this was before we even opened, we engaged a branding firm and we put together an entire brand for Urban Stead Cheese and it felt really preemptive. It felt like we were putting this brand guidebook together and doing all of this and it like, we didn't even, we hadn't even made cheese in this building. And I can remember looking at me and being like, gosh, this is a lot, you know, and a lot of time and a lot of money, to be honest with you. And I am so grateful we did, and I know he is too. We talk about it all the time because now what we have is a brand that we can grow into and that helps guide us. And um, the other thing we did was, we talk about cheddar for the better, and you've been in the tasting room. You know it's in huge letters behind the um, 
behind the bar. And for us, that is a community element that is part of our mission. It's, you know, it's about making really good cheese, but it's also about making a positive impact in our community and working with like-minded organizations. And what it is for us is it's a litmus test, but it's also kind of a guiding principle. And having those foundations of a brand and, you know, a mission statement with our values has been really important to us and it's helped us in decision-making, but it also helps bring us back to like kind of our true north all the time. So that brand development book guide is kind of like your holy grail of how your business looks to you all, how it looks to your customers, the new customers. It's kind of like the end all, it's like the holy grail. I can't think of another word right now, but it's your go-to, it's it's your baby. (laughs) It, It absolutely is. And, you know, every time, it's really neat that every time I'm working to develop, whether it's a new brochure or a new label or even swag, like, I have this whole set of resources from which I'm sourcing as opposed to, you know, we need to develop something new. No, I have, I mean, I literally, as we're sitting here talking, I have um, pictures sit, that sit right next to my desk, and it's all of our our brand guidelines. It's all of our brand logos. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. functionally useful, but it's also really inspiring. Um and I also, you know, it's neat that we have a team. So we work with BLDG out of Covington, Kentucky, and they do our branding with us. And um, they do a fantastic job. If anybody's ever looking for a branding firm, I can't speak highly enough of the work that BLDG does. And we just found a branding firm that really, really got to us. They get the product. They were excited about cheese. They have never worked with cheese. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just been a real... It sounds like a fun, well, I, I feel like this is just another example of what it means to be prepared because, and this is definitely just depending on the, the type of small business owner, the type of business that you own. Um, and, so, and some people, they may like to be go with the flow. They like to kind of create things as they go, see what comes their way. But this is also a really great example of putting maybe a little bit more work, a little bit more money in, in the forefront, and then being able to go back to it when you need as opposed to working on something and fixing it, tweaking it as you go along. So it just really depends, I guess, on what type of business owner you see yourself as. I think you're spot on. But the other thing I think, Sarah, is kind of thinking when you start, when, when we started the business, in those early planning days, we were planning for what we wanted it to be three, five, and ten years down the road, not just when we opened, it was so funny. When we opened, people would say, like, so you're a cheese company, but you don't have any cheese. Uh, so, we, <laughs> I mean, cheese takes time to age. So we started with, you know, just a hand, like, really two to three products. But now, you know, we've got probably ten different cheeses and working on other cheeses. But we knew that our goal was to be a local cheese brand. And so to your point, I've not had to change our branding or our labels or our approach because what we put in the motion from day one was what we wanted it to look like when we did have our aged cloth bound cheddar. 
when, you know, I am going to the specialty groceries, that we're not having to evolve the brand for the growth of the business. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I have learned so much about the cheese making process. I am starving right now. Um, (laughs) The story of cheese, what it means to be an urban business model, um, getting involved with your community, having all of these resources available. Andrea, thank you so much for chatting with me today about Urban Set Cheese Company. Okay, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the highlight of our small business. I, Scott and I so appreciate it. And thank you for allowing us to be a better, a part of the Better Business Bureau. Um, you know, you guys are doing good work in Cincinnati, and we are just proud to be affiliated. Gosh, I hope we, we can visit you all soon and we get back in that tasting room. <laughs> I, we, I, Scott and I can't wait for the day that we welcome people back into the tasting room. So people can order online. Right now, to your point, um, our entire menu is available online, but they're welcome to come in and shop, too, and they can still look into those windows. So we would love for you to come visit, and any of anybody that's listening to come visit, um, it's one of the things we miss the most is connecting with people and connecting people with our cheese. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Andrea. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much. I'm Sarah Kummer with your Cincinnati Better Business Bureau, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of BBB Presents. Until next time, connect with BBB Cincinnati on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to check out local businesses and do your part by leaving reviews at BBB.org.